Welcome. If you are visiting with us this morning, we are glad you're here. There's a visitor card in the back of the seat in front of you that should be or underneath. If you would fill that out, we would love to get to know you better. And when the offering is passed later on in the worship service, we would love for you to have your information and contact you and help you assimilate, answer any questions that you might have, pray with you. Uh, we're glad you're here worshiping with us this morning. We're in a three-part marriage series, and this is the third marriage sermon, and, um, and then next week we will be appointing two deacons, just to let you know where we are as a church in these sermons, and then next week we'll have a deacon appointment, formally laying hands on and appointing. This way? Is that better? Like it? All right. Everybody hear me? Okay. And so just to let you know where, we're, where we are and where we're going, the month of November, Ben will be back in the pulpit preaching a church series, basically looking at what is the church and how is the church defined and how, as we see it from Scripture. Uh, and what we've done this past month is look at what marriage is, and we've also looked at what marriage isn't. And this morning we're going to look at children, the heritage of faith that we've been given and how that affects marriage and the order in which we worship in our parenting. And so before we do that, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, you can turn there and then we're going to pray together for another church in town. And then we're going to pray for our time together, that this would be clear and that the Spirit would speak and convict us and that He would encourage us and that we would end up worshiping through parenting and in our marriages. That's the goal for this morning. And we want to pray for another church in town as well as we, uh, as we enter into our time of uh, this worship sermon. Y'all pray with me. Father, we want to lift up this morning, like you've instructed us and given us a guide to pray for civil authorities. For those making decisions about um, engaging in defense or health issues, that you would give them wisdom so that the environment in which we live would be one that's conducive for the gospel going forward. And we pray and ask you for that, that anyone making decisions in civil authority, that this morning you would be moving and, in, and encouraging and yielding and turning hearts to you in leadership so that there would be peace in this generation and so that your gospel, your story, and your fame would go forward. And Father, we also pray this morning for Jimmy Vaughn and Authentic Life Fellowship, that they would be a people who gather where there is a heritage being raised up and where there are faithful people uh, trusting in you and that this faith and something better, this faith and being grafted into something that we did not deserve, that there, that would be marked in that people and that it's passed on to children and that children are embracing it and listening to it. And Father, that's our prayer for Crosspoint this morning, that you are 
raising up a heritage that has faith that listens and believes. I pray that this time would be clear and that you would remove me and keep me out of the way. Very aware of my own weaknesses, especially this morning. I pray that you would use this time together. And we trust you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. Two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians 7. And Paul shows us what marriage isn't. Marriage isn't something to be worshipped. Marriage isn't the source or shouldn't be the source of all your comfort, peace, happiness, and security and identity. Marriage is hard, right? Remember, marriage is difficult. And it's difficult on purpose. And marriage is a grand opportunity for every one of us to put our selfishness on display. So marriage is hard. And then we looked last week at Ephesians chapter 5, where he writes to the Ephesians and says, but this is what marriage is. And it is a mirror to the covenant that God has with his people, with Jesus and his church. It is a preeminent ministry within the church. It's profound. And it's to be held in high regard. And Hebrews, the preacher tells us in Hebrews 11 to hold marriage in high regard in your body, in the church, and pray for people who are married. And so, moving from those two places, we're going to go next to the next verse here in, in chapter 6, 1 through 4, and what he has to say about children. And how that does affect your marriage and how that affects the health and the faith of a church body. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I thought I might get an amen, but we'll keep going. <laughs> Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. We're going to look at obey and honor first. Obey and honor. Children, obey and honor. You are given instruction here, and there's good reason. And we're going to look at obedience first. Obey. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. In Romans, the writer gives us a list of things that characterize faithless people. A list of things that characterize faithless people. A faithless generation. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28. Now, he also gives a very similar list to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So while you're turning to Romans 1, I want you to put your finger there on Romans 1.28 and just listen to the similarities in the list. These are a list of characteristics of faithless people, a faithless generation who don't trust and believe God. 2 Timothy 3.1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, 
disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having the appearance of godliness, saying, maybe, that they believe in God, but they deny its power. Avoid these people. Disobedient to parents gets lumped in with slanderous, ungrateful, heartless, arrogant, abusive. Okay, Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Inventors of evil. And they are disobedient to their parents. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. For me, reading those lists, I've always thought, Okay, disobedient to parents. He put that in there just so we would all have something to identify with. So we couldn't say, well, I hadn't done that, I hadn't done that, I hadn't done that, and everybody in here has been disobedient to your parents. We've all walked that. So it was kind of a relief to say, okay, well, grace can even cover me. And even though I haven't done all these other things, I still need grace. But I don't know that that's the reason that this is in here. I think this is in... Paul's list, because being disobedient to your parents, kids, listen, being disobedient to your parents is more important and matters more than I think we believe. This word obey in Ephesians chapter 6 is inclined to listen, expected to listen. And there's a reason, I don't want you to miss that, this is going to come full circle at the end of the morning. Being inclined to listen to your parents. Parents expecting your children to listen to you is important. And it may be more important than we think. Expecting them to listen. And I wonder, he says there in Romans chapter 1, giving approval to those who practice them, I wonder if we haven't given approval to disobedience and our children, and dishonor just a little, or maybe somewhat given approval to disobedience because it's so difficult. Raising obedient children, children expected to listen, expected to respect you, is an important calling, and it's a good work. But, listen to me, parents, it's more than just about making your life easier. Expecting children to listen to you and do what you say is bigger than just your life as a parent being made easier. Now, it will be easier when you have obedient children, but the work is the same. And it's, it's bigger than just you having an easier or a more enjoyable time as a parent. It's bigger than that. 
Or maybe we've given approval to some disobedience because we don't understand our role, parents, in raising up a heritage. I hope this becomes clear for you this morning that there is something bigger going on than good behavior and your life being easy. We are raising up a heritage. And children, listen to me. Your first calling, any, any child old enough to understand what I'm saying, listen please. Even if you're still living under the roof of your parents' house, listen. Your first calling, what I mean by your first calling, what I mean the main way, children, that you worship God and are faithful to Him. If one of the main ways, if not the main way, is to listen to your parents and do what they say. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. I mean, I'll say it again. The main way, children, listen, the main, if not the main, one of the main ways that you worship God is to listen to your parents and do what they say. All right? So it's big. It's important. And it's important because of what he says next. Honor your father and mother. You honor them. You respect them. To do, to listen to them and respect them, revere, it's the same word that a wife is instructed to move towards her husband. This reverence. This respect. A little bit of fear here. A real reverence towards your parents. So that it will go well with you in the land, that's not just so that you'll get more toys, kids. Christmas will be better if you'll listen to your parents. That's not what this means. It'll go well with you in the land is borrowed from a promise in Deuteronomy 5 that God's people would be stable in the land that he had given them when children are obedient. The family will be stabilized when children listen to mom and dad. And so, in other words, for us, based on what God has given you and what's in front of you, that will be more stable in faith when your children are listening to you and honoring you. Stable. We'll look at that further in just a minute. Kids, did you know you are help keeping your family strong in faith and you are stabilizing your family when you listen to your parents and do what they say? Do you know that, kids? You help keep your family strong in the faith when you listen to your mom and dad and you respect them. One of the main ways, if not the main way. Let me say this. Just like there are varying degrees of difficulty in marriages, there's varying degrees of difficulties with children. And, and by his grace, he's given us a multitude of difficulties and varying difficulties in, in this church. And you may be sitting there saying, well, thanks for wrapping up the importance for obedience, Brad, because we are not having a good week. I know it's difficult. And look, I am no parenting expert. Raising children is difficult, and expecting them to listen to you is difficult. But let's not give approval to disobedience, because it's hard. I've been there. I've handed everybody candy and asked them to go to the backyard. You've done it too. I'm not saying that we're moving and 
harshness and that we need to, I do think we need to consider tightening up discipline. All of us could use that reminder to tighten up obedience. Let's let's raise our expectations for our children and that they listen to us. But I know there'll be days where you hand everybody candy because you just need a break. (laughs) You just need 10 minutes to get your thoughts together, right? And so I am no parenting expert, and I know it's difficult, but don't do this. Don't start comparing yourself to other parents in this room. Don't do that. Don't start comparing children. Don't, Don't do that to yourself. Don't make excuses, and, and don't give approval to disobedience. Do you hear that, church? Don't, just don't give approval to it, even though it's hard. I've learned two things. This is free, okay? The two things that I've learned is that there is rarely, rarely too much discipline at our house. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, rarely do we sit there and go, we have this place in order. I mean... We have gone overboard with, with discipline around here. We are really, in fact, we may have been too disciplined in this house. That doesn't happen much. And I know this, secondly, I don't enjoy disciplining my children. Okay? I, I don't enjoy that. But it's a good work. And it's instruction that they've been given and this will come full circle at the end of the morning if your if your children will listen to you it's bigger than the home being smooth and easy it's bigger than your parenting not being difficult it's bigger than that i don't enjoy disciplining my children that's why paul then turns to us parents after he says children obey and honor then he turns to us if you're kind of have that feeling in the gut of your stomach like I do right now when we talk about this. And you're like, man, this is so difficult. And your charge, parents, to discipline, we'll look at those discipline and instruction in a minute. And this is a hard work. It's a difficult work. I think it's hilarious that Paul then turns and says, okay, now, parents, don't lose your cool. Read it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. (laughs) This is what's expected. Our children listen to us, and they honor us. Parents, don't lose your cool. This is going to be hard. This will not be easy. You do not lose your cool. Do you see it? I think that's funny that that's the next thing he said, because he knew this will not be easy. Parents, you are given two tools, and you are given instruction here in this passage. And your two tools are second half of verse 6. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction are your tools. If our expectation is children to listen to us and respect us, the tools for that are discipline and instruction. Okay? I wonder if we don't see our role sometimes accurately. Your role as a trainer, a coach, raising up a little team or an army, and you are the trainer, you are the coach. 
not the buddy or the partner. They are not co-leading with you. You are training. Turn to Proverbs 22, uh, verse 6. I want you to see this. And we're going to look at Proverbs 13 as well. So Proverbs 22 and Proverbs 13. I want you to see your role accurately. Because I think when when you see your role accurately, and, and our role as a church in raising up a heritage, we must remember that we are trainers. And if you can bring yourself back to that role, and you can bring yourself back to that view of training up and coaching, I think it's going to save you a lot of heartache. And I think it's going to help us all be better parents if we remember that we're trainers. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is this faith step, parents, when we train our children, when we expect them to listen to us and respect us, and we give them the instruction of the Lord. There's a faith step there. I'm going to train, and God's going to produce the growth. Do you see it? But so, so often, training can be so difficult and discipline can be so unenjoyable that maybe we quit training. It's just easier to quit and just be lazy. But you're a trainer. Proverbs 13.1. This passage from 13.1 to 24 has is, is got bookends on wisdom. And the bookends are discipline and obedience of children, okay, and hearing instruction. And I want you to look at verse 1 of Proverbs 13 and verse 24 and see how they fit together. The bookends for this passage, Proverbs 13, 1, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You know what a characteristic of wisdom is? You know what a wise family looks like? Sons that listen to their dad. They listen. They're obedient. And then Proverbs 13, 24. We love this passage. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. This this verse is not just about spanking. It's not. It's about what are your expectations for your children? It's not about spanking. Do you love your kids? Discipline them. Give them boundaries. Expect them to listen to you. That's how you love them. Expect them to listen to you. Expect them to fear you and respect you. This shaping of this discipline shapes the will. And I'm not talking, and neither is this verse talking about when I say, tighten up discipline love your child with discipline this is what that doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you become more harsh more mean more rude more frustrated don't tighten up discipline out of frustration over the past week don't tighten up discipline around your house because you're tired and you need a break you you see how that's the wrong spot to jump off from tighten up discipline around your house so that your children will believe Jesus. So they'll listen to you. 
and hear the instruction of the Lord. If you love them, expect them to listen to you. People pay a lot of money for trainers, physical trainers, you know, workout trainers. Coaches are even paid, even in the little league. Some, some coaches are paid to do what? To set high expectations and ask you to do things you don't like to do. People pay money for people to set high expectations for them and ask them to do things that are uncomfortable and they don't like doing. Welcome to training, parents. We're going to expect our children to listen to us and respect us. And we're going to ask them to do things that they don't like to do. What is your ultimate goal in parenting? What, what is it? What's your goal? Is it for your kids to like you? Is it so that you can leave uh, a bunch of kids well off financially? Is your goal in parenting just good behavior? I just want this kid to be a good citizen? Is it to give them amazing experiences? Is your goal in parenting for everybody just to be, have fun and be happy? Or is your goal for your family that y'all are stable in the faith? Stable in the faith. Going well with you in the land. Protected from the enemy. Stable in the faith. That your children are genuinely embracing your faith. Is that your, is that your goal? That your children would embrace the faith primarily. That's your goal for raising children. They would embrace and believe in Jesus. What is your goal? I want to talk for just a second about the difference between winning the heart of your child and shepherding the heart of your child. I think it's very tempting for all of us to want to win the heart of our child. We want them to like us. I'll say it. I'll admit it. It's not enjoyable to have a child that's unhappy around me. Even your kids, when they're unhappy. That's not enjoyable. But it might be good. When I say tighten up discipline, do you go, oh, God, I can't do that. It's too hard. They'll throw fits all week. It will not be a fun week if we tighten up discipline. I start asking them to do things they don't want to do, and I expect them to listen to me. We will not have a good week. It's just not going to be a good week. A lot of crying, a lot of unhappy children if I tighten up discipline. And I love what Kevin Lehman says. An unhappy child is a healthy child. And what he means by that, an unhappy child is a healthy child, is not that we're being mean to them and making them unhappy. It's that when you expect them to obey and they don't want to, guess what you get? A fit. Or a pout. Or a no. And they're not getting their way. And that's healthy. Did you hear that? When, when you know better... And, and you're doing things for their good, and they don't like it, and they seem unhappy with you, that's healthy. Don't tie your child's happiness to your worth as a parent. Your tools are discipline and instruction, and the goal here is obedience and honor. The goal is obedience and honor, and there's a good reason. I'm, I'm getting there. I want to get there faster, but the goal is obedience and honor. The tools are discipline and instruction. 
If you haven't read Ted Tripp's Shepherding a Child's Heart, I encourage every one of you as a parent, especially with young ones, to pick that book up. Shepherding a Child's Heart, Ted Tripp. It's a great resource and great equipment for you. A gospel-centered book on shepherding a child's heart. When we are tempted to win our child's heart with feelings and emotions and keeping them happy, there's a couple of things that happen. And I've mentioned this before in another sermon, but when, when you hope, mom or dad, when you hope to win your child by making them happy and giving them good experiences and getting, giving them their way thinking that is what they need, you have to remember something. The emotions of a child are all over the map. They're, they have not learned how to not be dictated by their emotions. They're getting jerked around by their emotions constantly, especially young children. Their bodies are in a constant state of developing and growing. They are in a very pronounced stage of learning, depending on what the age they are. And they're easily overwhelmed. Let's just be practical. Children are not mature yet. They're growing into maturity. And so when you engage your children in hopes that affection and approval will win them to Jesus, or making them happy and you being the good guy will make them happy, and you being the good guy will win them to Jesus, you bought a ticket on the crazy train. Because all of a sudden, who's riding the emotion train with them? You are. I am. I've, I've been on that crazy train. Don't, don't ride those emotions. You're a trainer. Discipline and instruction are your tools. The other thing that will happen is it will threaten your marriage. You'll find yourself weary, distracted, out of romance, out of emotion, and you'll be out of any affection for your spouse when you've ridden this emotional roller coaster of trying to keep kids happy. Shepherd their heart. Don't try and win their heart. Win the heart of your spouse. Remember Ephesians 5? The list that we've been given there? The, the calling of the husband to pursue and love and, and submit mutually to his wife and the wife to submit to her husband and to respect him and love him? Don't get those out of order. Ephesians 6 follows Ephesians 5. Don't, don't be tempted to win the heart of your child shepherd their heart the second thing that winning the heart of your child wanting their affection wanting them to be happy hoping that you have won their heart as a parent is it will lead to your children becoming idols it will lead to your children becoming an idol for you turn to psalm 17 psalm 17 verse 13 and 14 Psalm chapter 17, verse 13 and 14. The psalmist here is crying out for the Lord to deliver him from wicked people. Crying out for the Lord to deliver him from wicked people. And this is how wicked people are characterized. Faithless, wicked people are characterized in verse 14. But verse 13, Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him. Deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword. 
from men by your hand, O Lord, from men whose world, men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave the abundance to their infants. There's a couple of things going on here. No eternal perspective for the wicked. Nothing else is going on with their children except that they are their treasures. And they treasure children. And they worship children. Their womb is full of treasure is what it says. And the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so children have become an idol. And they have no eternal perspective for what's going on with this heritage being passed to children. They just worship children. They just think, my heart is wrapped up in my children. My heart and my affections and my priorities are wrapped up in my kiddos. They are consumed with children and their happiness. They are satisfied with children. Need satisfaction? More kids. Need satisfaction? More experiences with my kids. Need satisfaction? I need more of my children. And it's a misplaced worship. It's faithless. Your second tool is instruction. And your, one of your primary ways of instruction is putting on display a covenant in front of them that they can be confident in. That's why I say, don't let winning the heart of your children get in the way of your marriage because your children need to see a covenant they can be confident in so that they can be confident in a powerful God and His covenant. You see the connection? Your children need to be instructed in seeing a covenant they can be confident in so that then they will believe in that there is a God who doesn't break His covenant. There is a God who has a grace-filled covenant for his people. And I can believe that because I saw it in my parents. The shaping of instruction, the goal of instruction is to raise up a heritage. How will children hear the gospel if they're not instructed in it? How will they hear it if they don't listen to you? Do you see obedience? Do you, do you hear that again? Being able to listen to you? It's more than just you having a good week as a parent, but it's that they will listen to your instruction. You can jot this down and you can turn there if you'd like. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to you to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. Do you hear? Parents, teach your children the gospel. You are the front line instructors for the gospel. In your home, in your household, on the doorpost, in between your eyes, in front of you, you're instructing them in the gospel. And do you hear him say, so that 
Your days will be multiplied in the land so that you'll have a stable household. Your, your house will be stable when there are children who have been obedient and listened to you and they've heard that instruction and they believe and then there's more believers in your house. Stability. There's more people singing his praises and recounting his good deeds. Stability. And it's your role to instruct them in this, primarily. Thank God he's given us the church, right? To help us in this. But it's on us parents to start that. That's where it begins, is in the home. Without discipline, there will be very little instruction. We can't instruct unless someone's listening to the instruction. You see how important expecting your children to listen to you is? It's not so that your life will go better. It's so that they'll listen to the gospel. I want you to turn to one more passage. This is where it culminates in a heritage. It culminates with this faith being passed on. Look at Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit, of the, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Now stop right there. Notice the word reward. It does not say treasure. They are a reward. And he will explain that reward in the next couple of verses. Like arrows, verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Okay, stop right there. What does it mean that children are arrows in the hand of a warrior? It means that in this context, this father has more arrows and more ability and more stability as a family to defend against the enemy. Let me say it this way. Children are useful. They are a resource. A resource for stabilizing the family. In this context, this man raises up four or five young men who know how to use weapons, and guess what? His family's more protected all of a sudden. Do you see that? He's got a little army to protect his family. And obedient children for us is stabilizing our home because there's more believers there, more God's word spoken, more gospel conversation, there's more praises being sung, and our family is more stable and protected from the enemy when our kids have listened to us and are believing the gospel. This heritage passed on. They're a reward. And I know some of you may be sitting there thinking, resource? You, Brad, you're reducing my children to a resource? But let me ask you this. Let me flip the coin over. I wonder if we haven't reduced parenting to resourcing kids only. This is what I mean by that. Why do you exist as a parent? Buy them the car. Buy them the clothes. Put them in the right experiences. Get them the trip. Get them the vacation. Get them the right clothes, the right bed, the right house. Resource, resource, resource. Is, if that's all you are to your child is a resource, 
Have we reduced parenting to just a resource? Children are a resource for stabilizing your home in faith. Like arrows. And, verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Blessed not because he has something to be proud of. Blessed not because children make him happy. They are not to be worshipped. They aren't treasures. They're a reward. Blessed is the man whose home is protected by children who listen to him. Do you see it? He shall not be put to shame when he speaks to the enemy in the gate. I don't give that man flack. His, his kids listen to him. I don't want this to be just all knowledge today. I don't want this just to be thought-provoking. I, I want you and I want me. I want us to worship in parenting because it's a heritage being passed on. I want us to worship in that. That we don't worship kids. We don't worship our marriages. We worship something better. And we've been given a reward and an opportunity to pass that on. And it's passed on best when our kids listen to us and respect us. Man, that helps me as a parent. Not my sermon. The, th the thought that what helps me is that I'm a trainer. And that he will be faithful to pass a heritage on if I expect my kids to listen to me. And I give them the instruction. He'll, he'll be faithful in that. He is faithful. I'm not faithful as a parent. You're not faithful as a parent. The, the kids are not faithful in obedience. You, some of you have been given great difficulties in parenting. It may not look like it's fruitful right now. But he will be faithful in it. If we trust his design and worship him in this great reward of being able to pass on the faith to the next generation... And so the reward is to see the faith and his fame. The faith go on and his fame is known by more because we taught children. And if we don't, this is what's going to happen. We're going to, and I fear that maybe we see it now, that we're raising up happy, privileged, experienced, well-rounded even, well-resourced children who are faithless. I don't want that. I don't, you don't want that. We don't want that. So we have to ask ourselves, what are our tools and what is our goal? To raise up a heritage, discipline and instruction. We expect them to listen to us and respect us. Not so that it'll make our life easier, so that they'll believe Jesus. Know your role as a parent this morning. Know the order. Marriage and children. Children aren't something better. Neither is your marriage. But boy, they are good gifts and they are rewards. And we're going to enjoy them in faith, trusting that he will complete what he started in your family. This can sound really um, cold, the sermon so far. My fear was that you would think I hate kids. <laughs> or, or even worse, that you think that I believe kids are in the way. I just want us to be balanced about We don't worship kids. We don't find our security and our completeness and our peace and our trust in children or our marriage. We find it in Jesus. And at the same time, kids aren't in the way. When I say that children can be a threat to your marriage, I don't mean that children 
are threatening you, or they're a threat, I mean how you parent them will threaten your marriage. Do you see that? If you parent them by trying to win their heart, you have threatened your marriage. Do you see it? Kids aren't, aren't in the way. Kids aren't the problem. It starts with our worship and our trust and his design. Kids aren't in the way. Remember Mark 10? Let me read that to you. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked the kids and rebuked the people bringing children to Jesus. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, You let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them and laid his hands on them. Jesus wants to bless your children, and he wants you to bring them to him. They're not in the way. But they are not treasures. They're reward. They're not in the way. How do you bring them to Jesus? Discipline and instruction. So bring them to Jesus. In fact, he goes on to say, by the way, you, you won't even come into the kingdom unless you have a blind trust in me like these kids do. You won't enter the kingdom unless you naively, blindly trust me like these kids do. Kids aren't in the way, but they're not to be worshipped. Do you see it? I hope that you and I can worship in our parenting and that we have the right order and that we enjoy our children and that we do treasure the experiences, but they are not treasures. I do enjoy my children. I enjoy... Last thing I'll say is now look around at the prayer that Jeff Collins prayed 10 or 11 years ago, and, he's, and there were hardly any children here. And he said, Lord, fill this place with children. He's faithful. He is so faithful. We have a heritage, though. We don't have a bunch of little idols running around. And your goal is not to keep them happy. Or tie your self-worth to their happiness. Let's train them up together so they'll believe Jesus. Let's expect them to listen to us. And let's give them good instruction for his name's sake. And the kingdom grows. Do you see it? God has been good here with giving us a heritage. We're about to take the supper. And you guys can come on back up here. I just want to read... The same passage that we've read every week in the marriage series as we take this supper, Philippians chapter 2. You, you and I don't have what it takes to be uh, good parents. You, your children aren't expected to be perfect. Don't, don't expect perfection. There's only one place we go to for security, for peace, for salvation. There's only one that got it right. There was only one that was perfect. Completely obedient to death. Only one. So if there is any encouragement, Philippians chapter 2 verse 1, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind, 
Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Completely obedient, even to death. Now, the nations know his name. That is why we are obedient in our parenting. That is why, children, you're obedient to your parents. Let's take a supper. If you're trusting in Jesus today as your only hope for salvation from who you are as a sinner, then we encourage you to take this supper with us. His body offered up in obedience, complete and perfect obedience, we encourage you. If, if that's not where your hope is placed, then we encourage you to abstain from taking this supper. But if, if you're here this morning grateful for grace extended, undeserved and trusting that he will give us the grace extended to raise up a heritage and if you're trusting him to complete and finish that work let's take and eat thank y'all for extending me grace of tackling something this morning that's uh, difficult there's a lot of emotion attached to marriage and children and um, yeah thank you for that that grace that you've extended to hear what the Word has to say, and I hope that it frames our movement towards children so that we're more faithful, but trusting that He is faithful and He will complete this work. Um, we have um, in this church a ministry called Uncle and Aunt Ministry, and I, don't even, I just made it up. <laughs> but for whatever reason, you don't have kids at your house right now, help us. Help us. And, and I'm being funny, kind of, but so many of you are walking in that so faithfully right now. I want you to expect me, I'm telling you, I want you to expect me to expect my kids to listen to me, and I want you to help encourage them to listen to me. And I'll do the same for you, each of us, everybody. I'm going to close with um, the first few verses of Psalm 127 and then it moves into children as a heritage and I hope that you're encouraged to stay in it and tighten up discipline so that your kids will believe in Jesus that's the goal don't forget that stand with me and let me read this passage and then we'll be dismissed Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemies in his gate unless the Lord builds this house. It will be built in vain. You're dismissed. Thank you all.